When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The sky was stark cornflower blue, so pure it hurt my eyes. Perfect white clouds scampering low along the horizon, and the gray asphalt switched open and endless ahead of me. I was somewhere in the American Midwest, though more than that I couldn't tell you. For a year I'd slaved away unloading retail trucks by night to earn this respite, and the lack of boundaries. Stiff schedules and routines for the first time in my life mingled with the sleep deprivation and made the whole trip intoxicating. Hell, I might have been running parallel to Highway 83 at one point. Occasionally, I'd pull over and shut off the engine to take in the astounding view. It was a simple but incredible pleasure to remove my sweaty helmet and breathe deep the smells of grain and sun-baked earth mingled with the hot oil sting of my bike's engine. Insects whined invisibly nearby, but they never bothered me anyway. The open road was my happy place. The thing that had gotten me through the grind of minimum wage drudgery I managed to leave behind me. For a month, at least. I flattened some crispy grass to sit under the shade of a billboard for a casino, and munched on fresh apples picked at the last campsite. Supplies were running low. I intended to stock up at the next town, but I just passed a warning that the next gas station would be the only one for a whole day's drive. As to where to sleep, I figured I could pull off on the side of the road and find a place to pitch a tent where someone wouldn't bother me. A lot of it was government rather than private land. War so my probably outdated map told me. You know the scene of the start of a hillbilly horror movie, where their protagonist gasses up their vehicle while some ominous motherfucker with four teeth says something that foreshadows the coming bloodbath? Didn't happen. You see, it was two elderly obese women, in flower print dresses and underarm pit stains the size of North Dakota. They were friendly, but not overly talkative, which was fine by me, because muddling my way through their accents was a game I lost more often than won. I topped the gas tank and filled the red jerry can, which was then secured with bungee cords behind me. I had enough water, beef jerky and trail mix to carry me through the empty landscape until I reached some semblance of civilization. I set off under cerulean skies, carefree and unaware. Before I came out on this road trip, I'd been coming down on a crisis of faith. I realized the religion I'd been raised in was about as genuine as a $3 bill, which, incidentally, the founder of the religion had printed at one point in history. For a while, it sat heavy on me 
that this world was mundane and flat and empty. But having left home, I'd encountered some things that challenged that point of view. Not that I'd be running back to church. What I experienced was far wilder and larger than anything that could be stuffed into a chapel. The zen-like lull of the road falling under my front tire let my wandering mind turn these issues around and around, and before I knew it, night was falling. I still hadn't spotted a sign for a campground, but there had been a few for scenic turnarounds and points of historical interest. Figuring tourism probably meant industry and maybe a motel, I picked an exit on a whim and followed it until I was thoroughly lost. With the sun hanging low and red on the horizon, I started to feel the pressure from millennia of human instinct to find shelter. You see, those friendly white clouds had become heavy and fat with promises of a good prairie squall. The road turned from smooth tarmac to crumbling ancient concrete to gravel to nothing at all, and that was the end of it. I thought of turning around to find the highway again, but a crack of thunder put the kibosh on that idea. The last thing I needed was some 18-wheeler taking me out because they couldn't see my silhouette through the sheets of a downpour. At my wit's end and the end of my headlights, I caught the outline of a faraway structure I took to be a farmhouse of some kind. Hell, I would have happily bedded down in a horse's stall at that point. Rain turned the grassland to thick mud that clung to my wheels and eventually forced me to hop off and start pushing. I kept my hand on the throttle to help heave through the potholes that surged up out of the sudden dark and I hoped to whatever gods might be out there that the structure had a roof. It was becoming more and more clear that whatever I was headed for had been abandoned and perhaps rightfully so. And in retrospect, it should have been obvious how I was herded there, how the roads only led that way, even when they had no right to. As I got closer, I could definitely tell there was some sort of animal standing right on the beeline to the building. Up north where I'm from, we get jackrabbits the size of goats, and for a dumb moment, I thought that's what it was. Eyes reflecting red in my headlight haze. It wasn't until the ears perked up that I could see it was a dog. Terrier sized but sleek like a pincher, and black as the night that was falling. Nice puppy. Who's a good boy? I murmured similar nonsense as I skirted around it. Never can tell with strange dogs. Its head followed me, but made no other movement so we passed each other in peace. I didn't kick in the doors dramatically or anything. They were so rusted on their hinges, it was a challenge just to shimmy through. My bike was hardly wider than myself, and so it came inside with me. It turned out to be a good thing, because my supposedly waterproof flashlight was not holding up, and I needed the headlight to see what I was getting myself into. It took me about a moment to recognize the place for what it was. A church. Great. Exactly what I didn't need. 
I doubted I would be offending anyone with my blasphemous thoughts because the building was obviously a wreck, hardly holy anymore, except when it came to portions of the roof. Feeling some sympathy for the dog outside, I stuck my head back out to try to see if it was still hanging around and might like a dry place to stay as much as I did, but as far as I could tell, it had taken off. I hoped it hadn't trotted off to fetch an angry owner who'd wave a trespassers-will-be-shot-on-sight sign before filling me with buckshot. Gotta love those signs. Who knew you could paint some letters on old wood and suddenly make murder legal in your yard? The pews had been pushed aside to form a more open space. I brushed one with my fingertips, and they came away black with charcoal. The place was like that in patches. It was clear where there had been a fire, and I could only hope it hadn't compromised things structurally. And so, I removed my jacket and folded it over a less charred pew. I rummaged around in my bag until I found a rag to dry my flashlight so I could shut off my bike and not die of carbon monoxide poisoning. An artist had been there. Someone had used burnt pieces of whatever to draw things on the walls. Modern cave art. Above the door I came through, there was a big black dog. Appropriately enough. I poked around a bit more, excited by the thought that I might find some hobo signs. The pictures on the wall were deliberately placed to tell a story. Corn and rows. A burning sun. A flock of crows. A well with a hunched figure beside it. The church. The outline of a woman with her arms held up to the sky. But the last one made me shiver. Or maybe it was the fact that I was soaking wet. There was a large rounded metal dish thing on the floor. Held the remains of what might have been a small campfire. Maybe that's how the church got scorched in the first place. I doubted it. The unvarnished floor underneath it was fresh and untouched. The dish slipped out of my hands and clanged jarringly loud, making me jump in my skin. There was a room in the back that was like a separate apartment. Something about the burned bed gave me the willies, so I only stayed long enough to grab a large glass lantern from the floor before shutting the door firmly. I retreated into the main chapel space and was delighted to find the lantern had a decent amount of oil, and I lit it in short order. It wasn't a lot of heat, but it was better than nothing. The flashlight got stowed to save battery power. And somewhere outside, a dog howled. I froze. The howl sounded like it came from a much bigger animal than the dog I'd seen outside. God, I hoped there wasn't a pack. My bike was blocking the door pretty effectively, though, and I hadn't seen a back door, so there was no way something was getting in there with me. The drawings on the walls were suddenly eerie in the flickering light of the flame. If I squinted my eyes, the rows of corn appeared to sway as if in a breeze, and the female figure danced. My throat went dry and my eyes watered until I tore my gaze away and shook my head. I felt eyes on me and looked around in alarm, but of 
course, I was alone. The place was just messing with my head. There was a level enough place to lay out my sleeping bag, and I quickly got into it. The lantern stayed burning, and I intended to let it burn itself out. No way I was going to be in the dark in this place. I tucked my head in against the light and prepared to sleep. Now I'd slept on far worse surfaces, but something about that floor kept me tossing and turning. Nothing could make me comfortable. I gave up on actively trying to get to sleep and instead stared at the ceiling and tried to think about nothing. But that was worse. There was more artwork in the rafters. Things suddenly clicked in my head about the story they told. In spiraling rows from the bottom to the peak of the roof, the story, as I understood it, was this. Once there had been an abundance of food, people celebrated and praised God in this church for their blessings. But then things changed when the blight came. People burned their crops, perhaps in hopes of a better harvest next year. But after the blight came the drought. The sun was merciless. People flocked to their church and begged with God to restore their bounty. People fell like flies, and crows feasted on the fallen while their prayers went unanswered. Scorned by their God, the people turned to another. The woman. She was shown putting her hands on a kneeling figure. The figure in the crowd behind him went from skeletal to full. The crops grew in spite of the burning sun and dryness. And when the corn was ripe, it was harvested. But as the people went to feast on it, the husks were split open to reveal infants. The people chowed down anyway, but soon became ashamed and turned on the woman. They ran her down. They chased her to their church. And when she took refuge there, they could not get inside, and so they set it ablaze, made bone dry by the drought. It burned well. The final figure was of that woman surrounded by flames, open mouth and screaming, or maybe cursing her executioners. The whole thing made my stomach turn. I knew I couldn't stay. The rain didn't sound like it was going to let up. But getting a little wet sounded like a better option than sleeping in this cursed place. I got up and repacked. The stories on the walls might have been imaginative fiction from a passing traveler like myself, but I sensed the essence of it was true. I blinked, and I was no longer alone. There was no way that dog could have got in. When I swept the place... It had not been inside, but now, inexplicably, it was. The dog I'd met on the way in had been a manageable size, but this thing was a hulking brute, the spitting image of a junkyard guardian. His head was lowers and fangs showed from behind his drawn back lips. The only thing missing were growls like a chainsaw, but I had the feeling those would be coming shortly. There were things at work here that I could not understand. Reason had fled screaming, leaving only deeply suppressed superstition at the wheel. The dog began to pace back and forth across the floor for me. It was waiting for something to happen. 
some direction from my hind brain, told me to raise my arms, and I did until the figure of the woman on the wall behind me might have been my shadow. The dog's ears perked up for a moment before flattening against his skull again, and the growls began. Possessed by some unknown force or just a crazy idea, I moved forward. I did not want to set the dog off, but it was like I had no choice. My hands remained raised. Somehow, the distance between us stretched putty-like for miles. I swear I walked for hours, the entire world falling away and becoming nothing but the charred stretch of floor between us. The light flickered strangely and compressed, illuminating nothing but the path. I lowered my right hand and placed it on the dog's head. His entire body drooped like all the energy had gone out of him, and all of a sudden there was a current running up my arm from him to me, and it made me feel tall somehow, stretched like a shadow under a setting sun. You know when you're falling asleep and your brain gets all confused about your proportions? It was a little like that. I didn't feel like myself. I would have never walked up to an angry dog. I would never put my hand anywhere near its mouth. I was not in charge anymore. My right hand on the dog's head and my left reaching higher and higher. My bowed head weighed a thousand pounds. Moving it was too much effort. I was nine years old again, struggling to shake the anesthetics from having my appendix out. My body refused to obey my brain's orders, and it was awfully tempting to just let things happen. To sink down inside myself to oblivion and let events unfold as they may. It would have been so much easier to disappear. To just stop being. But I sensed something just beyond my fingertips. Curiosity may have killed the cat, but it saved my life. I wrenched my eyes heavenward, and somehow I was only an arm's length from the ceiling. Moving my head up had been difficult enough. I couldn't risk looking down, even though I still felt the floor under my feet. It wasn't like that part in Alice in Wonderland when she got stuck in the house by being a dumbass about the mushroom. I hadn't grown any larger. It was more like the space that should have been separating the top of the building from the bottom had been removed. Bizarre doesn't begin to cover it. The final figure of the woman. That's what I was reaching for. Just millimeters from my hand, I fought for control to clench my fist, but couldn't wrestle it away. I knew. How I knew that if I made contact, I would be lost. I would cease to be anything. I would surrender to the weight that held me captive and let it have my bones, wear my face and skin. It was so close. She was so focused on the hand, on that tiniest of gaps between her and I, that she eased up on my feet. I kicked out blindly, hoping to hit the dog and have him balk and break our connection, but instead I hit glass. The lantern scooted out of range. I kicked harder, arced my foot wild. Contact. Oil pooled on the wooden floor and quickly caught. 
The dog yelped, jerked away, and I was myself again standing in the middle of a church that was about to burn for a second time. I could feel the heat around my legs, but even more so from above, from her rage. I didn't dare look up. I'm not sure what would have happened if I had, but I'm pretty sure I wouldn't be here to tell the story. I pulled my bike from the door and kick-cranked the engine to life. The doors wouldn't open. I slammed my shoulder against them again and again. It wasn't just the hinges. It was like something was pressing it from the other side. The woman would burn again, but she wanted me to go down in flames with her. Screw that. I swung my leg over the seat and jerked the bike around the other way. I was about to do something incredibly stupid that would either look really cool or kill me in the most idiotic way possible. I revved the engine as hard and fast as I could and took off, rolling aside at the last second. 300 pounds of angry bike splintered the wood and careened off into the night. Stunned both literally and the fact that it actually worked, I gasped on the floor and saw stars. My shoulder felt like it had been tackled by a truck. I had to use my right arm to push myself, the left one, none too happy about doing anything anytime soon. And I made the mistake of looking back, and through the flames, I saw it. And it saw me. I tore my eyes away, stumbled aside, weaving like a drunk. The bike had keeled over in the mud, but the engine was still running. God bless Yamaha. Fortunately, the gears were automatic, so my left arm could just hang around like the lazy bum it had become. I remounted the bike and peeled away, and I didn't dare to look back again. Though I don't understand why I dreaded doing so. In the fields on either side of me, I felt something running. Heavy paws splattering wet earth. Heavy breath panting clouds in pursuit. Now, I couldn't have been going much faster than a person can sprint. But it must have been enough because whatever was chasing me fell behind. The light from the burning building may or may not have been the light that helped me find the highway again. And I drove all night never once looking behind me or checking my mirrors, which were so crooked and caked in mud that they were useless anyway. I passed through a still-sleeping town, stopped only long enough to empty the jerry can into my gas tank. When the sun was high in the sky, I checked into the first motel that caught my eye. After the world's longest shower, I determined my arm had recovered enough that I wouldn't need to visit a hospital. I drank four glasses of water in quick succession, and then promptly passed out on the lumpy bed. I dreamed of fire, and I haven't dreamed of anything else since.